Today I'm going to be meditating on a concept um, of how to approach prayer during dark times because there's a lot of awful things going on in the world right now. I'm sure that's probably always true, but it seems a whole lot more true now in the last couple of years. So there seems to be kind of two extremes. Um, On one hand, we want to know what's going on so that we can pray about it uh, and so that we're not ignorant and so that we can make, you know, uh, the right decisions and those kinds of things. So there's a proverb about that that talks about a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, the simple pass on and are punished. And that is Proverbs 27:12. So there's a certain element of no, seeing what's going on in the future and preparing for it. Um, and then we're also told in uh, James... Uh, speaking of Elijah praying and calling down, you know, the, the calling down rain, uh, he uh, was the one who commanded the drought and then he commanded the rain on the other end of it. It says in James 5, um, let's see, the uh, James 5 verse 16, the uh, effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. So he's like us. He has the same power of prayer that we have. In fact, we have more now because we have the Holy Spirit and we have a better covenant than he had. So we want to use that because God wants to partner with us in the the earth. So as we see all these awful things that are happening, we're called to pray and we're called to prepare. And we're also at the same time called to rejoice. And that's the balance. I think it's uh, it's so important to make sure that while we're aware, we're not so aware that we're focused so much on Satan and what he's doing and all these evil forces in the world that we lose sight of the bigger of, of God, who is so much bigger than any problem that could ever come our way. So um, the balance to that is going to be um, Philippians. Let me flip to that probably know where I'm going with this anyway. The Philippians verse that talks about um, how we should not be anxious for anything, but um, okay, yeah, so uh, Philippians 4 verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay, so that's the litmus test. Are you in peace? If you're not in peace, if you're so focused on everything that's going on in the world, your balance is off. So we are supposed to let peace be what reigns in our hearts and minds. So Colossians, um, we'll talk about this. Colossians 3 verse 15 and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful so let that be the litmus test for whether or not you are focused where you need to be and Proverbs um, let's see Proverbs 3 no 4 um, Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. So if you start finding yourself getting really anxious and fearful of all the things that might happen down the line, then you're going to end up, that's going to end up making your heart sick. So you have to be very careful what it is that you are planting in your heart. If you're planting all of these horrible headlines, and that's the majority of what you're focusing on, then you're, it's, it's going to bear the fruit of anxiety and fear and stress. 
But again, back to Philippians, Paul talks about how what we're supposed to be thinking on is, uh, this is Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So that's supposed to be the majority of our focus. No matter what is going on in the world around us, we have everything in God that we need for life and godliness. So let's see if I can find that one. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to. It's the beginning of one of Paul's letters uh, where it says that he's given us literally everything that is going to be necessary in order for us to have everything that we need. With that being the case, we absolutely do not need to fret. He's going to take care of us. He's going to make sure that justice is ultimately done. Um, So I think that that's the important piece. There's There have been plenty of times that I've had to take a step back from listening to news or water, reading headlines, all of those kinds of things, uh, where I've just had to take a break and, and focus my mind on things that make me happy so that I can get my peace back. And then once I feel like I'm there, go back to uh, mostly what I do is I get headlines and I pray over the headlines um, as much as I need to know in order to, like a lot of times you could tell from the headline what the entire article says. You don't need to read the rest of it. You can pray for that, delete it, and move on to the next thing. Occasionally, if I didn't have enough information from that headline, then I would read just enough to know what's going on, pray over it, and delete it. But as soon as I started to feel my spirit getting weighed down by it, I'd have to take a step back and say, okay, enough. I'm My focus has become it has gone toward the wrong thing. I need to be, I need to be where I am. And then as far as, or I need to be focused on God. And as far as what to pray. So, um, one thing that I think is really helpful in terms of, especially if you are, you know, really focused on all the awful things. One Psalm that I really, that's really helpful for me is Psalm 2. And it says, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and, um, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. He shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare to decree, the decree, the Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I, so this is God speaking to Jesus. Jesus, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings, be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all who put their trust in him. So it's such a good visual. There's so much scheming and all these people that have all these evil ideas seem to be getting away with it. And we pull, peel back the curtain and see what's going on in, in, in heaven. These, all of us are like a breath and we think we're going to be here for so long, but compared to, you know, the, it's compared to eternity, our lives are so short 
And that's true of all of those who appear to have to hold all the power on earth as well. And God is in heaven laughing at all the things that they think they're going to pull off and are not, absolutely are not. So that's certainly true. Now, what we can do, and I'm certain that, you know, probably everybody is, a, every believer has been aware of this verse, especially recently, and has been praying it. Second Chronicles 7.14, this is also um, a good a good prayer point, especially if you're, if, even if you're not reading headlines, you can always pray this one. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So we can certainly pray that our, our land will be, will be turned around, that we will turn around and go back in the direction of God. And God is absolutely a God of justice. So as we see things that look really awful and it seems like they're getting away with it. Um, so that one of the verses that I think about for that is actually Luke um, 12. And I've prayed this so much in the last two years, um, this particular verse. Um uh, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed. Uh, sorry, this is Luke twelve two. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have spoken um, in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed from the housetops. So all these things that they think they're going to conceal, ultimately they're going to come out. And we've seen some of that. And one of the things that I do find encouraging as I continue to pray, there's power in prayer. God's told me to pray, um, and it is a weapon. That is that is the the sword. I'm, I'm praying the scriptures, so that's the sword of the spirit. That is the the, the, the word of God is a short, is a sword. Actually, let me go read that. Um, that is Hebrews four, I think. Um, yeah, okay. So Hebrews four twelve. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and its discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So. As we pray, not just what we think, but the word of God, that's more powerful. We know we're praying right. And that is a sword that cuts through the plans of the enemy. So the more you can pray scripture and that, and this is one of the, the weapons that I use is, is Luke 12, two to three, when it looks like all these evil deeds are being, are happening in secret and it's not being adequately publicized, then praying that God will bring light and will expose all everything evil that is happening so that everyone can see it. And um, another really good one that is kind of along those lines is Psalm 37. Um, Psalm 37 verse 34. Wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. So praying that it will happen really obviously to the sight of all, that there will be a, a very obvious, very public turnaround in some of the wicked schemes that are that are being plotted in the darkness, um, and also along those lines in terms of of uh, justice. Uh, Proverbs twenty one verse fifteen: It is a joy for the just to do justice, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. Um, and let's see, Proverbs twenty six. Uh, verse 27, whoever, oh, this one I also pray a lot. Whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and he who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. So I love that, the poetic justice of having somebody fall into their own trap. And that's a very biblical prayer. It's that you're not wishing horrible things on 
the perpetrators of evil. Ultimately, what we want is for those who are opposing us to join our side, for the the veil to be lifted off of their eyes. Um, So that is 2 Corinthians. Hold on. Um, 2 Corinthians 3. Um, verse 14, but their minds were blinded for until this day, the same veil remains until the, um, the reading of the old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. So, uh, but okay. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their hearts. Um, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So I pray that the, for all of those who are in places of power, that that veil would be lifted, that they would have the opportunity to see who they're really serving and that they would look it straight in the eye so that they would have the opportunity to choose otherwise. And I know that like the the scripture says that nobody is, every single person has that opportunity, but I believe that we can pray for more opportunities for that veil to be lifted so that they would have choices again and again and again in order to have that opportunity. And there does come a time when God says you're reprobate and I'm not going to keep calling you because you've ultimately turned away from me. That's like um, Pharaoh hardening his heart uh, in Exodus where God says, okay, I'm going to use it so that uh, so that my glory will be manifested. But we don't want that to happen for any individual, no matter how many awful things they've done because Jesus loved them too. Jesus died for them too. So we still pray that they would actually become our brothers and sisters. That would be by far the best thing. Um, and then also along those lines, I pray that the veil would be lifted. And I pray Matthew 9, uh, 38. Hold on. Um, so, and that one, this one is talking about how we pray for unbelievers to come to know the Lord. So obviously it's God's will that all should, that none should perish, but all should come to a saving knowledge of him. And that doesn't happen. That's not, a, he doesn't get everything he wants because we have free will that's involved. So we don't pray that they would get born again. God already wants that. What we pray is that the Lord, uh, the, the verse 38, nine, um, Matthew nine thirty-eight. therefore pray that the Lord of the harvest send laborers into his harvest. So I pray that laborers who know the Lord would come across those people's paths and would proclaim the truth and that they would have the opportunity to hear and to listen and to turn. Uh, so, you know, as far as what's happening with, with those who are not yet saved, who still have their their perspective blinded. Romans talks about this in Romans 1, um, verse 19, uh, through like, let's say 22. So what may, um, because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. So again, everybody's had this opportunity. God has shown them for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. We're all without excuse because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise. They became fools. This is a state of the people that we're praying for that the, the veil would be lifted in that they'd be able to see that and that they would turn. But again, if they do not turn, ultimately God is going to work together, even their evil choices for good. So Romans 8, uh, this one's certainly very well known. Romans 8 um, verse uh, 28. I'm just seeing if I want to back up a little bit on this. Um, Okay, so no, uh, Romans eight twenty eight, And we know all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. So if you're trusting 
God and you're walking in his ways, even when awful things happen to you, God didn't make those awful things happen to you, but he can work them together for good so that it will ultimately be to your benefit. So Satan can throw whatever he wants at you and God can still turn it around and use it for good. And that's not just you personally. God can do that on a global scale because he's that good a chess master. Anything Satan tries to do, God can turn around and use for good. But ultimately, again, I feel like the the anchor point has got to be that peace for us to know when is it time for us to get in the fight and when is it time for us to pull back and rest and recover a little bit and realign our focus. Because I think it's, I think of it kind of like in any other promise of scripture, uh, there's this balance between the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force, as, as Jesus said about John the Baptist. So absolutely enforcing, God said, this is mine. It is my inheritance and Satan, you cannot steal it from me and I'm going to fight tooth and nail in order to receive my inheritance. And then there's the balance of come to me, all you who are weary, um, and, and I will give you rest, that Jesus says, that all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And both, it's both, but at different times, kind of like when you, the sleep-wake cycle, we sleep and rest so that we have the energy to go about our day the next day. So I think that probably there's this balance. It's not, it's not all one or all the other. You need to make sure that you're tuned into the Holy Spirit so he can tell you what do you need right now and you can follow that. And that again just goes back to the, the anchor verse, I guess, Proverbs 4, um, 23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. So see what it is that is bearing fruit. Look at, look at your emotions your and see where your heart's at. And that will tell you whether you're in the right balance or not. If you're raring to go and you're feeling powerful and you're holding that sword, then keep fighting. We need people in the fight, but we also need the wounded to pull back and recover before they can go back into it and make sure that peace is your anchor to see whether you're in peace so that you know which side of that fight or rest you need to be in at the moment. So one more time, Proverbs 4, verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. So thanks for joining me. Hope that was helpful to you and I'll see you next week. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com 